0: This is the Championship
1: Mindset Podcast.
2: Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of Championship Mindset, where we believe that winning is a decision. I'm joined today, as we are on every episode, by my two friends um, and colleagues, Coach Russ Stoner from York High Football and Coach Cade Lemke from Blue Ridge Basketball. Um, Coach Stoner, give us a 30-second
1: intro of who you are and why you're here. Uh, yeah my name is Russ Stoner I'm the head football coach at Yorkei and the founder of accountability for life and I'm here to enlighten folks and to uh help people through uh, any of their problems when it comes a leader and uh we'll see what happens here today. hey how about you give us a brief intro um and why uh with everything you got going on right you
2: talked about how busy you got all these teams coming in why make time to be here today sure this is uh Kate Lemke from the Blue Ridge School
0: down here in Virginia. I'm the the basketball coach, and have been coaching for uh, 30, 30 plus years. And this is uh, just an exciting opportunity to, you know, continue to you know mold young men, shape the next generation of student athletes, turn them into leaders that could then go on to be you know leaders in leaders in life. And so excited to just keep it keep it rolling with you guys. I'm
2: excited to have each of you here. Um, our last episode. Um, was super fun. I thought it was a, a great message we were able to communicate, and we had a little bit of fun um, at the end. Um, my name's Eric Brewer, I'm a local business owner out of central Pennsylvania. Um, I have a team of uh, 40 plus employees. Uh, we buy, invest, rent, and resell real estate. Um, I sort of uh, leaned into this and have come across Coach Stoner and Coach Cade through interaction uh, with my son, and I saw how each of these gentlemen in a window in time, and my son's development as a student, as an athlete, had a positive impact on him, and then started paying closer attention to how each of these gentlemen had an impact on everybody that they work with. And um, I thought it was an opportunity for us to just expand our impact. Like, I believe it's it's not doing our community justice if we only allow Coach Cade to impact the group of young men that come through his school each year. I think it's a, a disservice to York and our local community of Coach Stoner only has the opportunity to reach the folks that are part of AFL or are lucky enough to come through York High Football. And part of my life's mission is to have a positive impact on people that I care about, and that has no boundaries really for me. Whether you live in Virginia, you live in Pennsylvania, you live in Maryland, or halfway across the world, um, I believe my life's purpose and God put me here to utilize my skill set have a positive impact on as many people as possible and this is a platform for the three of us to do that so today we want to talk about um this came up earlier this week when i was having a conversation with someone and he's like yeah man but you have this advantage right like you've been doing this for a long time you got these guys that have been on your team and your 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 managers and your teammates and all this stuff for 10 years i can't do any of that And i said i think that's bullcrap i think i could start tomorrow and quickly get back to where I am today if I hadn't started all over And he said, how? And it was very thought provoking for me. Um, so as we we, we continue to, to share our leadership journey and how to build a team, right? But we don't want to rebuild a team every year if we don't have to. So um, what we want to talk about today is if you were starting today from ground zero, if you had nothing, you lost your coaching staff, you lost facilities, you lost your team that you have currently, and you had to start from zero. How would you start? Specifically, what position and why? So, Coach K, let's kick it off with you. If you had zero today, right, no no players, you don't have a, a stretch four, you don't have uh, you know, a dynamic scoring guard like you have now, you got nothing. Where are you going to start and why?
0: Yeah, I think I think the first uh, the first part of the team would be um, you need a staff. You know, you need a coach that's going to you know whether it's one assistant or two or three, but you need you need someone who's ready to go you know to battle with you. If you were going to start start from scratch, I think of you know the uh, the blessings that I've had in my coaching career uh, as a head coach. You know, has been able to assemble you know like minded uh, individuals who care about the players first, care about what they're trying to accomplish and know that if you, you know, if you're a players first, and you care about them, other things will, you know, will fall into place. So I definitely say, you know, a, a, an associate coach or a top assistant or somebody who's ready to go to battle would be, you know, would be the first thing, you know, that comes to, that comes to mind for me. And as I look back uh, my career and the, the, the moments when we've been able to impact the most lives um, have been when the staff is on the same page and everybody is, has bought in to making things happen. So if I had a, a number one draft pick or a number one, you know, priority, it would be, you know, it would be the, you know, first set that that cool. for me.
2: Um, coach stoner
1: about you, where are you start? Um, I'm going to find a me, um, and, and, and I've actually been through this. So, I'll I'll never forget when I took the head coaching job at spring grove, you know, I spent, I spent 16 years as an assistant with Brad Livingston at central York. Right. And when I got to spring Grove, I was drowning and it was was starting all over. I, all of the guys that were on the staff at central, I essentially brought the central and I knew they weren't going to leave and come with me because they had a great thing going at central. So, I had to figure out what I was going to do. And I remember calling coach and saying, man, where do I even start? And he goes, you have to find a, you, he goes, you got to find someone that helped me the way you helped me, Russ. And, and, and really that's the, that's the case, you know, and I, I want people that don't know anything. Um, I want to teach them my philosophies and teach them how to work and teach them, um, um, you know, like-mindedness is, is the right thing that is, is, is right, but I also like guys that will question a little bit. You know, and obviously we do, when we do that, uh, arguments are behind the closed doors. We're, I mean, we're always, you know, I, I, we, we have this thing on my staff that's about letting letting people out of their doghouse, right? Because you can get in my doghouse pretty easily. And um, I told him, I said, you got to make sure that someone is going to look at me at some point and say, hey, when are you going to let him out of your doghouse? So, for me, you got to find to start a program. You got to, you have to have somebody in your corner that's going to do what you have done to get where you got. You know, and I don't think it's a bad a bad decision to have a great a partner in your wife uh, or your significant other because if you don't have that understanding with your significant other, you have no chance of being successful as a coach. Um, and then you just build it from... So I got to Spring Grove. I literally started the Spring Grove program and started that process with... There wasn't one guy on that staff that had varsity experience. I had youth coaches and junior high coaches. And then those guys, we ended up having four of those guys follow me to New York High. And now I'm kind of in that same situation. I had three of my coaches retire at the end of the season last year. And those guys all... well one had 40 years experience. Another one had 20 years experience. The other one had 15 years experience. So I have brought a bunch of young guys on right now. And and, and I'm working pretty hard to show them what it takes to be successful as a coach. And, uh, you know, it's just like the kids. If, if a coach doesn't show up for a workout, I'm texting them now and saying, Hey, where are you? Because you have to have that buy-in from your coaching staff. If you're going to think you're going to have a buy-in from your I'm players at the high school level.
2: I'm glad and, I
1: collect resent what you say. Because when you first said, in my interpretation
2: is find another me, and this kind of gets into the second question is from a skill set or characteristic position, I don't want to hire another me, right? I don't want to have two people with the exact same skill set because I acknowledge that I have weaknesses, right? Whether it's a coach or a businessman, a parent, a, whatever the case might be. Nobody's perfect, right? And where I may be very good at like innovation and leadership and culture, I absolutely suck at details, right? I'm I'm horribly unorganized, right? So when I, for me, when I get a coach, and I love what you said, right? It's a me, but a a you to Brad Livingston was a number two. It was a second set of eyes. It was probably a skill set that he saw in you that resembled him. But you probably had a very different skill set or a focus or a way of communicating. And I think for me, if I were to start, I would find someone that shared the same set of values that I had, but had a different skill set. Right. Because here here's what I find. Russ, when you say if you split the football field in two, and then Kate, I'm gonna ask you the same thing, and there's offense and defense, specialty. If you're great and and, and you only had to coach one side of that football team, what side would you want to coach for
1: the rest of your life? Yeah. For me, for me, um, you know, that's funny because I started off all defense and when I became head coach, I went more offense. Um, I would tell you, my guys would probably tell you I now went to the, the sissy side and I'm doing more of the offensive stuff. Um, but, but I, I really, uh, just this year I'm, I'm, I got back into the defensive side a little bit more. So, you know, in the world of football, if you can't stop somebody, you can't win. And, and that's, so that, that would be where I would go. And, you know, so, so back to, back to my point of being my, I'd hire a a me, it's the work ethic piece. And for me, the value piece doesn't matter because somebody can have other values, but once they get around and they see what we do, they all of a sudden something like, it's amazing. Like I, like literally I have Chaz Powell in my gym right now, right? Chaz is working out waiting for our kids to get here. And Chaz and I sat down for two hours, and he had this, not a misconception of what we do, but he had a thought because of, you know, how your county is, Eric, right? And then all of a sudden, after we were done, and then once he's seen how I operate and seen what we've done, I believe he'd tell you he's a better person because he's involved in our program. And it's and, and not that I'm changing his values. But I think I've opened his eyes about what it takes in terms of work ethic and how to treat young men and and, and how to be a, be that leader that you have to be with with kids. And um which then, you know, he's he's already he already has in a very short time made connections with our players that are gonna be lifelong connections. And this is his really his third year of ever coaching, but I would say it's his first year of ever coaching. And it's his first year of ever coaching because he's now understanding it's more than football. It's more than, and I'm sure coach thinks the same way, it's more than basketball. It's the, you know, I had a seminar last night, a recruiting seminar, and we talk about this a lot. It's about the person first. We got to get the person's mind right before anything can happen as an athlete. So that goes along with our coaches as well. Our coaches have to have the right mindset. And I don't care. And we're all in high school coaching. And we only have so many paid coaches and we don't make crap as coaches. But if you're a volunteer, it doesn't matter. You got to spend as much time as a paid coach. And I've been there, I've been a volunteer. And but if you want to be good at something, it doesn't matter if it's your wife's birthday. You gotta look at your wife and say, Honey, I know it's your birthday, and we're gonna celebrate, but I have a workout for two hours. As soon as I workout's over, we're going to do our thing. Once people start to understand that part then they have a chance to yeah, be very, very successful. And right that is my is, opinion. I would encourage you
2: to, I don't think you change people's values. I think leadership is like alcohol. It it, it shines a brighter light, right? Like he, they'll say sometimes when someone drinks alcohol, it reveals their true person, right? And they did a good job of masking it without alcohol. I think leadership reveals people's true character. So when you brought Chaz in, he had those values. You as a leader uncovered it and revealed it right but i don't think you can bring a person in that doesn't have work ethic doesn't have integrity and change their value system i, I i'm I, I so i actually put values before skill i'll put values when i'm recruiting or hiring a coach or a player before experience uh, but that's just my feedback on that right i think i think what you saw is by your leadership and guidance you uncovered his willingness to to be a better example of those values but by the time someone's 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. Uh, most of those values and morals have been established. It's an uphill battle to to try and break them. But, Cade, what would you say? Like when when you look at that, um, and you hire this coach, right? We've established like, and what I love is, and I would tend to agree. I'm going to sort of build from the the top down, where you know I, someone might go, well, I'm going to go get me a um, a facilitator point guard. It's like, no, I'm going to start up here and say hey, we need a leadership team to support these players when they get here or we haven't done them justice when you think about a number co- you know an assisted coach what are you looking for
0: I, I think you know you guys both bring up great great points you know i i think the skill set and one one's ability and and all my years when i would be putting a group together i would tell people i don't i don't care about the x's and o's i don't care about you know, how many plays you know how to run or how many books you've read. You know, what I care about is are you are you hungry? You know, are you are you coachable and are you gonna be thinking about right the kids first? And and I think that from there, you're gonna learn the X's and O's, right? You're gonna learn, but you know, they, there's the cliche. It's not about the X's and O's, but the Jimmy and the Joes. Like like it's it's your ability to, you know, are you gonna connect with those, you know, with those guys. And if you have that and if you are, you know, player player first driven, you know, I can, I can teach you or a video or something can teach you, right, the right way to run the pick and roll. But are you going to be able to, you know, inspire that kid who just, right, uh, got an F on a test and he come, he's coming to practice and he's thinking all about what mom or dad's going to say about, you know, that test grade when he gets home. And you're trying to teach him to pick and roll, it doesn't matter how well you teach him to pick and roll. But if you can't connect with that kid and get him to, you know, to digest and and put the put the schoolwork where it was and now focus on what's the present and having that making that happen, it, it doesn't matter, right? So it goes back to, you know, it's it's the guy, you know, or the gal, whoever you're you're hiring, you know, do they are they willing to be coached? Are they ready to to come to work and make things make things happen? You know, Russ a great point. Have you ever Take one of our coaches out there. It's a paid coach or a volunteer, and try to break down what they make per hour. You know, I mean, they're not doing it for the money, right? And if they are doing it for the money, you're going to fight an uphill battle, right? They, from the entire time that you, you know, that you have them. But you know, it's it's it's, it's what is their what is their personality? Are they ready to work? And are they going to put those put those first? And and I think a lot of that a lot of that changes over time. You know, you might, you might have an assistant that for the first five or 10 years, you know, they're, they're unbelievable, but now they get married. Now they have kids. Now life changes have happened and you have to, you know, readjust, you know, and I've had, you know, coaches who have, who have gotten to those points in their lives and they've been upfront, you know, and, and say, Hey, I can't, I can't do this the same level as before. And, you know, I, as much as those conversations you know suck to have you know i i understand you know where they're coming from and now there's an opportunity you gotta you gotta refill backfill him, him or her with somebody else who's ready to go because of you know what's going on in their in their lives because even if you can only get you know 50 of that person's normal output or 20 or if they're a diamond and you and you you've really seen the value that they've had you want to keep them as much Yo, know, as much as you can. Let's
2: imagine, K five of these assistants show up, right? They've been pre-screened by someone you trust. They show up, and you get to ask them each one question before you select who your assistant coach is going to be. What's the question you're going to ask?
0: Yeah, I, I think I think I'm going to I'm going to put a put a situation in front of them, you know, and 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 say, okay, you've got you know you've got a player who in practice it isn't going hard you know what how are you going to approach that player and get the most you'll know, get the most out of them right get them talking about it a situation and what they would what they would do and if they're and if they break it down and understand you know that the player you know could be going through something what's going through their head what's going through their heart right now and how can i inspire them to you know to to get back to the present and work you know if they give that type of an answer and that where they can where they telling me that they care about the kid and that they understand that there's probably something going on you know with the kid
2: Well, give, know,
0: me, give me a 10,
2: 10 words of, or less an example of the perfect answer what would the perfect answer be
0: so yeah if a coach says yo he's pulling he's pulling Johnny aside and asking him yo hey guys Johnny are we going, right? going today yeah. Yeah. yo and I had You know, and and it and right really hits hits that kid and tries to find out what's going on in that kid and so that the kid knows and knows that he cares about him. Ding 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 like that. What's the worst possible answer he could give? Yeah. If he says, Oh, I I have to I have to show him the you know, I have to show him how to the correct form and going and, you know, getting a wide stance on that screen and talking and right, if it's all those those transactional you know, transactional things that he thinks that that's what it's about. You know, it's we, it's
2: we have like sayings, like I'm sure you guys do around. We, we, I think one of the great parts about building a team is you create your own language, right? Simple things. You look at the military, right? Like they have their entire own way that they describe the alphabet, right? They got Alpha, Bravo, Charlie. What do they do that? It simplifies communication and reduces complexity. So we have these sayings all the all the time around here: is be more transformational, less transactional, right? So what are one ways we do that? And, and to, to Kate's point is that every time you tell somebody what to do, right? If I tell Russ, Russ, run down to the end of the driveway and and, and put the flag up. Um, and I don't tell him why. I don't give him the why behind it. And I don't teach him how to do it. I leave that scenario. And there's still only one of us that knows why we did what we did and how we do it, right? So every time I find myself or any of our people telling I encourage them to teach. Don't don't tell teach. Why? Because we want to be transformational, not transactional. I think it's a really good point. Russ, you got five dudes lined up. They want, to, God knows why, they want the assistant coach job to work alongside of Coach Russ, right? Um, you get one question. What are you going to ask them to flush out whether or not they're the right choice or not?
1: Do you work on your birthday? And what's the perfect answer? You. Know, the perfect answer is yes. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's about time. And and if you you find out real quickly, if you have like like for me, I'm gonna hire a kid guy, um, or a kid gal. It does. I mean, I, I it doesn't matter as long as they have the. I feel confident in my ability to teach people football, the football piece of it. The part that you really have a tough time teaching is a genuine kid person. Right. And especially in the situation that we're in, where it's 99, 99% acute poverty. Like our kids don't know anything. It's, it's, kind of, it's crazy. I mean, in the fact that our kids don't even know how to carpool. Right. So I actually just, um, I, I actually just jumped my kid or my coaches last night because we're taking 25 kids to um, Millersville for camp tonight, right and I was frustrated on our group chat saying okay, who's going to camp you know these are the guys I want to go to camp. who are the guys that can go or can't go and they weren't responding fast enough for me right because I have to send the list to Millersville. Millersville gave us a discount, all those things, right? So I text our group chat for the coaches. I said, hey, I'm really getting pissed. This is really driving me absolutely nuts. Me basically saying to our coaches, without saying it, somebody chime the hell in and go get the guys that you're coaching and tell them you better contact coach now. So none of my young coaches picked up on that. So last night when we had our recruiting seminar, after we were done, I said, hey, I just want to let you know. I'm really pissed at all of you because it can't just be me trying to get communications through to our kids because our kids take a group effort. And don't just think that, oh, Coach Stoner's got it. And and that's really where we sit here. And ha- you have to be a kid guy. So if you're not willing to work on your birthday, I don't There's want you to come to challenge because
2: here, and I don't know the right answer to this. Is it possible someone could work on their birthday and not be a kid guy? Like, could they be there for them and not there um, for the I... kids? Is that the question that if they said, yeah, my work on my birthday, are you a hundred percent confident that they're there for, for, for the kids and the players and the
1: other coaches and, and absolutely sure that they're not, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if that's the direct answer. Is yes, but I can tell you it's a good start. But you only because a question. I because there's only I mean, two. So if the guy, no, no, he's that that, that person is going to prove to you whether or not he's a kid guy. Because if he's there on his birthday and and like around here, like we we have a young man in my he's in the lounge right now. Today is his birthday, right? We're going. We're doing a, a, a community service project here at eleven thirty. We're rolling to um, a, a Shiloh Legion, and every the, we always we help them when in June and July unload, trying to our loads of, of food. So he's here for his birthday. It's his birthday today, and he's here and he's willing to go do that piece. So he, if a coach is here and and it's his birthday and he's not, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? It's my birthday. He, I know that he is a bigger pitcher for him. And then for me, I'm always a guy that does this. Hey, you want to be the special teams coordinator? Okay. You can ask me to be it. Here is your, it's all yours. Go ahead. Show me what you want to do. And when I call for special teams for kickoff, you better be the guy out there running the show. Because I only give you one chance to become that guy. And you, and once you give that responsibility to somebody, you have to be willing to relinquish that oversight and you can give them feedback on, Hey, I think we might want to do this this week. Hey, I think we might want to kick, um, kick to the corner, whatever. But at the end of the day, you've got to give them that ownership because that's the only growth you're going to get. And that's why they're willing to work on their birthday.
2: Uh,
0: So, yeah. So Russ back with your question about the, when you, when you talked about uh, those guys, you know, chiming in, when you think about your staff, right? Those ones that just retired those three guys, were they all chiming in right away or were they all going directly to their position players, you know, right away? And did they do that from day one or did you, if you t- turn back the clock or did you have to explain that to them that one time and then they were good or did they just, was that something that was innate in them that had them connect so well with you when they were
1: on your staff? Well, it's funny because we all coached together for so long. We actually coached together before there was cell phones. So, But you you have this maybe not but being able to put it into a group chat. What was great with my older guys um, is that really it was it was uh, yin and yang type of stuff. So those guys like we they were able to communicate a little bit differently with their players in their position room, and um, you know and, and and yeah to your point, at one point you had to tell like I like like someone had to tell. Tell that group, but it wasn't me at that point. It was Brad Livingston that told them, right? So that was already learned. So me telling them last night, it was you know that moment of me saying, "Hey, you know," without me having to tell you every time. Like th- this is a great, another great example. So last night, we run what we call snakes, and what we do is we jog one way on the field, going across the field, and then you got a sprint coming back to our our home our home uh, stands. And I don't care if they walk. I want a hundred percent sprint coming back. Like I want it to be the fastest you can run. Chaz is yelling at the guys that he'd rather see them jog instead of walk. Right. So I walked down to him and I told him when I and I told our coaches this before. When I was just a position coach and and the defensive coordinator at Central, I used to get rubs like like like. Fluffy, furry, orange drugs. I'd buy all my kids slides. I'd got, I'd put smelly stuff in their lockers and I would put this and I'd make our DBs be feel that much better. Right. And I'd make them and then I made them earn it. I made them like, you never walked anywhere. You never did this. You never did. Your grades better be better than everybody else's on the team and you're better. And what it did is it elevated everybody else. So I told our coaches, our young coaches, that story. So I said to Chaz, I walked down to him as he's as he's harping and, and complaining, and I whispered in his ear, I said, this is the rug moment. It's okay if you tell your kids that you want them to jog because that's what the DBs are going to do. See what I mean? So, so I get to your point, Coach. I think that, yes, um, somebody in our previous world told us, hey, you need to do this. Last night I had to tell our guys, you need to do this, um, and and it, 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 they'll be better at it. But it comes down to that whole. It, it's like anything else. It's communication, right? And that's what I told the parents last night that were here for the seminar. It's it's always going to be about communication. And where you think you've done a good enough job as a as the head coach or the the business owner, it's always going to be man. Did I did I remember to tell that? Did did I really? did i clearly state what i was saying so no that's 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 a great point but now the time will tell will they will, did they listen and will they be more in tune like i can tell you my the our my offensive line coach is now working basically full time for AFL and our cap program so he's our strength and conditioning coach he has grown i mean i mean i will tell you he has grown 300% in the last three months because of the ownership that he has. And it's been really cool to watch I him go to work now. Question, right? And that's simple. All three of us basically had the same
2: response that we're going to, we're going to hire another leader. Uh, um, so I, yes, I, I two points. One would be my number one question would be, uh, Hey, you know, coach Rose, Russ, coach Cade, you guys have obviously had, a lot of success. That's what got you here today, right? We started with like 30 people that applied for this position. We've narrowed it down to five. And your resume is impressive. I don't wanna know about your accomplishments. Tell me about your biggest failure. So why do I ask that question? The number one thing for me that I'm looking for is humility. Humility for me means that I heard someone say, I want them to be coachable, right? I think that what Kate described in that interaction about, hey, let me see um, what's up with Johnny, right? That's about the kid. It's not about the coach, right? The coach would be, let me tell you how much I know. Your footwork should look like this. Here's the right way to run a pick and roll. would you say, Russ? And it's the reason I asked the question. It actually gave me goosebumps talking about it. Why are you working on your birthday? It's not because I love what I do and it's about me. It's because somebody's counting on me. Why is that guy there right now on his birthday? Because there's a bunch of people out at Shiloh that are counting on you guys to be there and are, and probably a room full of kids that are counting on them to be there to deliver these this food, right? So the number one question for me is I want to I find out if they're humble. Because um, when someone's not humble, entitlement has a way of sneaking into your culture. It's one of the worst things that could ever happen. I deserve this. I deserve that. I should get the ball more often. My stats aren't what I want them to be. I don't know about you guys, but that's a cancer. In an organization, any of that language I just heard, right? If if you guys score a touchdown, Russ, and you ran the ball thirteen times because that's what's the defense giving you, and your quarterback runs to the sidelines pissed off because he didn't get a chance to air it out, I'm a, I'm guessing that's a problem. Kate, if you guys have a star point guard in that particular game that day, your strategy was to exploit your size, and this point guard's pissed off even though you won that divisional playoff game because he averages 25 points a game in this game. He only got 12 because the offense wasn't drawn to highlight him. I'm assuming that's a problem, right? So for me, no, are they humble, which means they're teachable. And I I picked that out maybe because I look for each of your answers. So I really like that. The second part of this, as we start the close, would be now you have this coach. And it's a great answer to say, right? It's like, hey, I want additional leadership. I don't need to have all the answers. I need support. But – to, to, to your point, how do you communicate that to the coach? How do you take your number two and develop them? Because in my experience, if I'm going to hire an assistant coach or I'm going to hire a leader to work alongside of me, my job completely changes, right? As a head coach with no support or appreciation for an assistant, which I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Some guys want to be completely in charge, and we call it a genius with a thousand minions, There's coaches out there and leaders out there that they know everything, and they just want people to help sort of be shepherds, right, to just communicate their message. What I love about what Russ said, he goes, hey, as long as your message to the DBs or the special team aligns with our value system." when I hear say Russ just wants them to dog, my translation is that is give whatever you have. Do your best. Maybe the standard for special teams or D-bags, 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 is uh, that's the <laughs> So then, yeah. what you have is right. Our best is we always job because I know that uh, in this position we got to be in better shape, better condition, and and have more mental and physical stamina than the rest of the football team. You well, know, my my point to that is how do you how do you develop and pour into an assistant or another leader? Allow them to have freedom. But still operate inside of 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 your operation and and the and the beliefs and and values that you have. Um, Either one of you, whoever wants to go first, how do you do that? So now you got your coach, right? You got a kid guy who works on his birthday. Coach Kane has a guy that's more interested in the development of Coach Johnny than than letting everybody know how much Coach knows, right? How do you then develop that person and work alongside of them so that there's minimum conflict, but you guys are saying the right thing.
1: Well, I, I'll start. I, one of the things that I do, and, and I don't know if people, I don't know if my coaches have noticed it ever. Um, I guess that maybe if they watch this, they'll they'll find out now, but there are times that I purposely don't go out on, go out to practice on time. And I, I don't go out to practice on time to show them that I have the confidence in them to do their individual work, to do the stretching, to do all of those things without me being at practice. And you know, typically, I do have things that I'm trying to get squared away in the in, in our locker room, in my office, whatever it might be. But I think it has to, it, it, and this is the this is ultimately the the biggest thing. It has no it has nothing to do with me, as the head coach, of getting those guys to be better coaches or to give them more responsibility. It comes down to them and the responses they get from the kids. Because I've had coaches that, try to, that, that that aren't there as much, and then they try to chime in on a kid or, or try to lead a kid, and the kids give them their ass to kiss. Because they're looking around like, man, you're you're never here. I'm not listening to you. But I, I have coaches in the past, and I was one of them, that could have led the entire 70 kids at practice by myself. Because they'll all listen, they're all dialed in, they're all you know all because I earn their respect. If you don't earn their respect through what you do, as putting in your time and your effort, and then as the head coach, if you don't allow the guys that put their time and effort in to again, like you said, work inside of the parameters of what we've talked about as a staff, of what our values are, what what are what we're trying to get accomplished, and you know I'm sure Kate, Coach Kate has the same thing. We have a practice plan every day, right? So we know what the practice plan is. We know when we change, we change our our segments from you know one one drill to the next drill. So I hire people that are kid people that are motivated that also want to excel as a coach and have the ability to get kids to um, to do what they ask. And and so so it's I think it's kind I think I'm kind of a fun coach to coach for. Because I do allow guys to coach. Um, I do allow guys to be part of the the game plan, you know, and and then we, we go from there. But you know, you have to once they prove to you that they're gonna put in that time and effort, you've got to allow them to 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 see how good of a coach they can be. How do you handle the development of that leader um or that assistant
2: um now that you've hired him? What's what's your plan to get the most out of him?
0: yeah it, it, you know as i listened to was it, as listen to rust and and you talk eric as well like every business is different every sport is different you know i, I think it, in my 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 experience of learning more and more about the football side is is that ideally you have six or seven different coaches that all have right their their teams within their team right and they're able to coach them up and and you know, impact those lives differently based on you know what how they feel is the best way to make it happen. And then I and then Coach Russ, right? He's, he is leaning on that that DC or leaning on that right wide receivers coach or that special teams coach to make it happen because you can't you can't do everything, right? And and so when I think about on the on the hoop side, you know, my coaches are coaching offense, defense. They might be coaching the bigs and the guards. They might be right um taking over the beginning part of practice or the end of practice that they're that they are they have to know a lot more about the ins and outs of right every kid or every position because naturally that's just the way that right that basketball is compared to football or a certain business might be more like football or basketball right or you might have you might be coaching tennis right in tennis outside of the doubles is, is, you know, you have seven or eight individuals that are all having their own game plan, right? Of what they're going after. Um, so, so my, you know, my coach is a big, a big part of where they add value is a, right, of knowing what I'm, what I'm thinking, right? Whether that's, um, in in on a group chat to, to Russ's point earlier, or I'm running late to practice and they're getting things right. Getting things started stretching or getting things started with the individual individual work but the other the other big thing that I rely on a lot is in-game in-game adjustments and act time adjustments and so my goal and my hope is that through through practices and through hopefully modeling the right uh the right way of what we're emphasizing or what the game plan is for tomorrow's game but then during a the game at a timeout or at halftime time of the game what I turn to those, coaches and say what do you think you know defense you need three things that you know three things that did not go well defensively defense what three things went? you know went well I'm relying on them to give me a couple nuggets that I already didn't have right in my head with all the different things with all the different things going on. and their ability to you know, you know to go through practices to go through watching film." and do, right, to see not only what I value, but then also, you know, what the game plan is to win and their ability to catch on and then bringing their own, their own piece into it, I think is crucial, um, absolutely crucial. You know, and, and then, you know, Russ made the point about uh, about some coaches being able to lead all 70 guys when you don't necessarily have a rapport with all 70, and then some that, you know, show up and they can't get one guy to do what they say. It's all about, right, if those guys believe and think that you pair up, then, and that that you are really out for them, you know, you're 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 gold, and you can you can inspire all those guys. Whether you're coaching the DBs or the or the quarterbacks, or you're the offensive coordinator, like because they know you care about them, right? They, they don't know how much you know until they they don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care, right? That's one of the same, that's out there, and I think that is you know again that goes back to you know why they're in it, what they're doing, and. And your you know, their ability to impact. impact yeah, one
2: support. of the uh, so I had a couple takeaways there. One of the 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 best leadership books and lessons I've ever learned um is a book called Extreme Ownership. It's written by a guy named Jocko Wilnick, who was a naval SEAL commander. And to, to the point of right, like with football with seventy kids, right? Like um typical on a basketball team, you're um, ten well, kids. But what, what Jocko says is that we reach a mental a connection or a physical capacity once we go above, like, six to eight people, right? So even though Russ can lead a group of, say, 70 people, it's never going to be as good as having seven coaches with the same type of connection and the same type of leadership ability lead lead 10 groups of seven, right? It's just, it just it, it can't happen. Um, so what we have to realize is that we create coaches inside of our team, right? So, like, what you want to have, like, with football, I think it's awesome how they've been able to take, like, Defense and inside of defense, you have defensive line, right? You have special teams, you have defensive backs. On basketball, you have. I see it all the time where I've seen Cam go to practice and they break out guards, and they work on guard stuff and they talk guard language. And then they they take the 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 bigs and they go down and they work on footwork in the post and they work on rebound and they work on and they talk big language, right? But all of that language and all of that messaging has to to align with the, the the greater team, right? So for me, it's about how do you create an overarching purpose, right? Where you talk about, it, it may be on a team, it's player development, right? Our number one purpose is to develop the player, the student, and the young man, right? That, that may be your purpose. And then I think our job as the leader to take each of our coaches and say, now I want you to take that overarching purpose and I want you to have what we call a nested purpose by department or a nested purpose by by uh, small teams on the greater team, right? So, like, how do you want to identify as a defensive team at Blue Ridge? How do you want to identify as a, as an offensive line at York High Football, right? And then does that purpose, those values that we live by and the standards that we live by align with Coach K's overarching or Coach Russ's overarching purpose and value? So you take just as you might be be all in. That's like my interpretation when you say work on your birthday. I want a guy that's all in, right? So what does all in mean for the offensive line? That may be we protect our running backs, our receivers and our quarterback at all costs. What does that mean? Well, we we know our assignments before the snap. You would know, right? But it, for for me it's the job of the leader to communicate the purpose and the standards to are, at this point, second leader and allow them some of the freedom to create their own team inside of our team. Does that make sense? Like, when you think about the U.S. Army, they all identify as U.S. Army. But then there's Rangers, there's infantry, there's engineers, there's all of these people, right? I think the military, as far as team building, creating a culture, done, I mean, they, they have to wear all the same uniforms. Why do we all wear uniforms when we play basketball or football? No one person has a different appearance, as a uniform, as anyone else. We want them to all identify as a team and move as a group. So I think it's important you get a leader like that, that you can communicate to them your standards, the whole purpose of why you're, because like you said, someone said, it's not about football, it's not about basketball. Well, what is it about then? What, what is it about? If it's not about football, why are we here? And the better job as leaders we do, communicating that a crystal clear message like I would challenge you to go back to your team and, and you should be able to walk up to any one of those 70 kids at a football workout and say, why are you here? And they need to have an answer. And guess what? That answer needs to align with the reason why the coaches are there, the other players, it can be their own version. It doesn't have to be verbatim, but it needs to align. So it may sound like I'm here to develop as a student and as an athlete, and be a better team member my fellow Bearcats. Boom. I five. I'm moving on to the next kid. Make sense? I was – there was something um, – I went to a, a daddy-daughter basketball camp that Coach Cade hosted. They did something cool that I brought back here. Um, Rush, you know, like, what a, a put-down is, right? Like, if I make fun of your Crocs, that's a little bit of put-down, right? Right. So, like, uh, Coach Cade yeah, – I that, that was actually a college. That's one. how you say it. You say <laughs> every, every <laughs> practice, we do put-ups. We're going to publicly recognize someone that did a good job or someone that gave an extra effort or someone that – it was awesome. I brought it back here, and we're going to move that into our meetings, right, at the end of the week or the end of the meeting. We would go, hey, who's got a put-up? And you'll go, hey, man, I I thought Russ did a really good job today. Uh, The D-backs were really struggling when we were doing snakes. And we leveled them up, man. he said, hey, jogging may be okay for everybody else. We don't jog or we don't walk. We jog. What's that mean? You just got to have one foot off the crowd at all times, right? We're just going to nudge a little bit. And I thought that was awesome for him to level his people up. And I saw how they responded. How does that feel? Right? It makes the the, the team feel better about, hey, it's great when someone recognizes that I'm doing something that may push me to more because then they start going through the entire practice trying to earn a put up. Right? And then the other people pay attention to other people and they acknowledge it. So for me, that was a great example of how leaders can lead. i I consider myself a leader. I didn't know that other coach from John. And I took away from that because I believe I'm humble, a lesson, and I brought it back and, and our people are better cousins. So um as we wrap, you guys got any other thoughts well, on that before we close? Well,
1: I I, I I'm gonna say this. I, it's 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 kind of just in the little bit the short period of time that we've all been doing this together. If there's no there's no surprise to me why, why we're successful, um, as a group of men, because when you start talking about what we're doing, a lot of our philosophies go hand in hand. Right. Um, and that's what's that to me is what, um, kind of is is exciting for me because, you know, I've been doing this a long time, just like you guys have been doing your business and coach with you coaching. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the, I'm that guy. I think, fingers, but, right. you know, but, well, listen, it, it is what it is, but you know, I, that means I'm more valued because I'm a little older than yeah, the elder statesman. So the last guy that showed up 15 minutes late to the podcast, that that, that might right. be it too. And I can yeah. get my shit working. So yeah, <laughs> but, 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 but my, but really this is the thing you, you, you always want to have a co right? Like, when you when you're doing something that work like, with what we're doing to hear what coaches doing in a basketball program to get what you do with your business you you're you guys are all you both are successful so to know that we're doing that we have that same alignment is, is there's no secret why with us doing a podcast that's called championship mindset that it is the right three guys doing this podcast and i'm just hopeful that people are going to listen to this and watch this and, and 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 understand that we're not trying to be what we are humble people right but we've had success and it really not one of us talked today at all about how many houses you sold you, you 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 sell you sell how many games you've won coach how many games i've won any of those things we talked about kids like literally talked about kids, and 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 I I want to make sure that that message is loud and clear, and and that 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 ultimately I think that if people listen to this and understand this is not about what level you play at, it's not that it doesn't matter of what sport you play, it's a matter of what and how you put yourself into those good situations. Well, so I think it's a good that's kind of you go back to the, the first question: ask is why are you doing it? It's literally
2: to get other people to, to learn. I was talking about this today, and one of the things I'm super passionate about and why I, I, I'm so thankful to have the two of you here is I didn't start my leadership journey until I was probably 35 years old, right? And then most of the people I lead and teach are adults that are, that are working adults that have probably been through college or you know maybe they're in their early 20s or some of these folks that they come to work for me, they're 35 years old as a manager, I'm only able to impact the last 25 to 30 years of their life. The real purpose behind this for me and why it was so important for me to have you two, we have the ability now as a group with this platform to start that journey for people at the age of 15, 14, 16, 17, 18. So if we can trigger something in them that reveals to them how to be a better leader? How to be a better follower? How to be a better teammate? At the age of fourteen, we've now impacted seventy years of their life. It's there's a lot at stake. Right? Like I, I did a presentation on this for a group of people I worked with a couple months ago, and it brought me tears. And I, I and I don't think people realize what's at stake with leadership. Like it's a buzzword. We talk about it. We throw some compliments around. We criticize people if we don't think they do a good job. I'll share this with you now. I put a picture up at the end of my presentation. One was a picture of my son signing his national letter of intent. That that day, that moment, surrounded by his coaches and teammates, he was living out his wildest dreams, right? Now his dreams will go, how do I perform and play when that opportunity comes? But in that moment, it was his wildest dream. He's a scholarship-level college basketball point guard, right? Then I put a picture up of my closest friend from the age of 15 who died because he drank himself to death at the age of 47, right? you got to think about what it takes to, to drink yourself to death at the age of 40. How sad are you? How frustrated are you? How depressed are you, right, to do that? What, what happened? Camden had great leadership between me and, and each of you and the community and his players, and he's living his dreams. And I failed my friend Scott as a leader, and he died at the age of 47. That's how important leadership is. It's literally life or death. So if you're listening to this, continue to push yourself to be a better leader because there's more people out there counting on you than you know about it's literally a life or death situation because I know people that live that aren't really living right they're alive they're upright but they're not they're not living life right so that I want I want that's that's why we're doing this right at the end of this 45 minutes that we've talked it's more clear to me now why we're doing it it's literally a life or death situation and it's not about us this is a platform for us to develop other leaders. And the earlier we can communicate that message to a young man, I think the bigger impact we have. And then as they go on to be leaders at the age of 22 or 23 or 24, they're able to have a bigger impact for a longer period of time on the people that they lead. For me, that's crystal clear. I also wrote down something we do around here. They call them ericisms. It's things that I say that people think are cute, funny, or somewhat like stupid, ABC. You guys ever heard of ABC? It's normally used in sales. Always be. Cool. I'm always be around here and around teams, you should always be co-signing, either co-signing and supporting your teammate, co-signing or supporting our values and our standards. ABC. Always be co-signing. That's the Ericism for the day. So I'll leave you with that. The last thing that we have, and it's a little bit of fun. We did. Oh, by the way, Cade, before you got here, in the spirit of leveling up our shoe game, I made a commitment to Coach Russ and his staff. There's now a much more fashionable, forward-thinking, athletically-engineered version of the Croc. It's called cane footwear. It's actually made for athletes, and it's called an athletic recovery shoe. It's like a Croc, but it has a closed-in back, and it's got these like little embedded beads on the insole that stimulates blood flow in your foot, and it and it enhances and improves recovery for athletes. Uh, I committed to get um, a pair of those for everybody on his coaching staff, and I'll extend the same to you. Uh, so I just need you guys to text me um, you know, the coach's uh, name and size and pick a color. I'd like it to be uniform so everybody gets the same color. We're not doing separate colors and all that stuff. Um, they do have, like, school colors. I think Russ um, and Coach Mom found like a, a navy blue with an orange, which is their perfect color. So, we're going to level up our, our coaching footwear um, and our, our athletic recovery. And if we like that, generally accepted, maybe we'll consider sponsoring and doing it for the, the, the team as well. Um, but, in the spirit of that, um, today I knew I couldn't make it about shoes because you guys would potentially come prepared and I wouldn't get authentic. I believe in undershirt, <laughs> whether you wear one the style of undershirt that you wear, also the color of the undershirt that you wear say a lot about you. And for help, I went to Google for their their feedback or opinion, and I specifically asked it to support it on data. So I'll give this to you, right? When it comes to undershirts, the preferred choice is a standard crew neck or V-neck undershirt. The crew neck is like the classic vanilla ice cream. I think we all know who may wear the classic... Vanilla ice cream shirt the cats are around the body it's timeless and versatile the v neck on the other hand is like a dash of caramel sauce adding a subtle touch of sophistication and a peekaboo effect for the discerning gentleman now let's address the elephant in the room the color options of the shirt classic white go-to color it suggests cleanliness and a fresh start to the day when we put it on on the other hand there's black the mysterious and edgy choice. A black undershirt exudes a certain allure, like a secret agent taking on any challenge. It adds a touch of sophistication. Why are you smiling I as you put read a this? black undershirt on, with darker outerwear giving a sleek, put-together appearance. Oh, and then there's gray. Let's talk about gray for a second, right? This leads us down a much different path. Gentlemen, if you dare to don a gray undershirt, you're embracing the inner mischief maker. Your potential as a mastermind or dare I say villain, even criminal. Gray is like the smoke that clouds the shadows. We're to wow. tire super villains plotting world domination. All right? So there's one other thing. What if you don't wear an undershirt? the daring choice of going commando. It's like saying I live on the edge and I don't care about sweat stains. Wearing no undershirt is like riding a roller coaster with no seatbelt. No undershirt? It's like embracing the inner rebel, the conventions of fashion and saying I walk to the beat of my own sweaty drum. You know, not wearing an undershirt is a subtle way of announcing to the world I'm too cool for extra layers and I don't mind showing off my perspiration. Skipping the undershirt is like playing fashion. We we'll it. Will you stay fresh or face the wrath of unsightly sweat stains? Only time and deodorant will tell. So with that being said, what kind of undershirt are you rocking with, Russ?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, this is basically how I do my undershirt game. I don't wear an undershirt unless I'm wearing a polo. So I'm rocking because I wear T-shirts. So I don't wear another T-shirt under a T-shirt. And then I try to go with that uh, that white T-shirt that makes me oh, look like a little Spanx. skinny. Maybe a, I think she's maybe a she yeah. compressed Well, I'm not sure that the man. I'm not sure the man version is a Spanx, but it, yeah, you know that, that I tend to just buy one one size smaller than I need. Well, that's, so that's. Like, well, that's that's typically, typically where I get a lot of polo. Wearing. So a,
2: a black polo, what, 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 what type of undershirt would you wear?
1: Well, if I'm with a black polo, I'm going to have to wear a black oh, we, undershirt. Okay. I'm not going to wear a white shirt. on it. Mean, why that, that's. that's well, you're going to see it at the top. Unless I go V neck. Unless I go, that,
2: I could go beater. Well, we What all says something very good, different go, about you, right? If the choice. <laughs> Did beater? beater? Is there a beater well, on that one there? Great. I mean, that's let's be honest here. This is, I mean, the 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 go to choice. This looks looks. I don't I live just like, longer you... these. I dry clean my undershirts, pal. Like I get light <laughs> started. By the way, fresh clean threads. They're like six bucks a piece. High thread count, super high quality Cade. What are you working with today? He's got a polo one. You can't. There's no. What are you working with, bro? No, no. A Commando, polo, no, Just straight nipples out. I'm like, oh,
0: okay. the uh if I'm, if, I'm wearing a, if I'm wearing a dress shirt, a button down.
2: But I'll not the polo. And you don't, it doesn't shirt. rub. It's not uncomfortable. The materials. Man, that's daring. It's off.
1: I don't move enough to be uncomfortable. I don't <laughs> All right. So we got one commando. And if you're in good enough
0: shape, if you're in good enough shape, don't worry about
2: the perspiration as well. Really? You're oh, not sweating. Ouch. That's a thing. Ouch. Yeah. That I'm is real a real thing. Love. See, I, I, I sweat. <laughs> well, the prelude to that was you said, <laughs> if you're good enough shape, Russ, I don't know that you or I could say, you know, Kate's... I'm in a shape. That's called. called rounds. a shape. It's not... It's not, Snape, it's, it's Anthony. Listen, Uh, make sure to text me your sizes and the name of the coaches. Uh, I'll hook you guys up. Um, You know, it's my little way of saying I want to give back and appreciate the time here. I know it pulls away from everything else that you have. Championship mindset, winning is a lifestyle. We're here to impact the lives of young men, leaders, and followers, as many as we possibly can, and share our journey with leadership and pour into anybody that's willing to listen. We'll see you on the next episode. Russ, leave us with um, 30 seconds. uh, Recap it today. And what would you like people
1: to know before we sign off? Well, I think that every time we sign off, I'm going to say the same thing. And and what I'm going to say is this. Get out and help somebody. Volunteer. Go be an impact in your community. Don't look around and think that somebody else is going to do it. Go help because that's what we're missing. We're missing people that think that their time is more valuable than everybody else's. So instead of the 10%ers doing a hundred percent of the work, just think if we got a hundred percent of people out there working for each other. So that's, that's really what I'm, out. what I'm talking about. Yeah.
0: You know, I think it's, it's surrounding yourself with like-minded people, you know, whatever you can do, whether it's right coaching or uh, in business in life, if you surround yourself with others that, you know, have those same, values and our care about the same things you know you can impact impact more people and then you can also you know continue to leave you know to leave a legacy of others that want to do the same thing so uh surround yourself with with those you know like-minded um so two things
2: i'll say to that i'm glad you said that um to elaborate on surrounding yourself with like-minded people you need to speak your mind right? Because if you don't speak your mind, if you don't establish values, if you don't stand up for something, how do you know what a like-minded person is? And, and more importantly, how do they know? So part of it, I couldn't agree, right? I think that's what Russ said when we went through the questions. How do I know that this, me and this other person are like-minded? You have to speak your mind as a leader, right? This whole walk softly theory of big stick, there's a balance to that, right? Every once in a while, we got to be willing to speak our mind, so we can surround ourselves with like-minded people. So always be co-signing. That was a good one takeaway from today. And in order to surround yourself with like-minded people, you need to speak your mind so that they know that you're like-minded. I appreciate everybody joining us and we'll see you on the next episode of Championship Mindset.